Welcome to As It Is Written News. This is Ryan, and I am coming to you uh, today because I have a passion for spreading the uh, knowledge and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I think that it's incredibly important that we get a Christian perspective on the news as well. So first and foremost, my name's Ryan, and I am a sinner who has been saved by grace through faith. And I haven't done any works to be saved, and that's exactly how you can be saved as well if you believe in Jesus Christ and the completed work that he did to save us. So now that we've got, uh, now that we've started, um, a little bit about me. Uh, I went to California State University, Fullerton, and I graduated with a degree in political science. Um, I have always loved uh, watching the news and, and kind of trying to figure out what's going on in the world, and so this is one way for me to continue doing that and spreading that awareness to everybody online. And so uh, I think that we have a very uh, lacking amount of Christians who are actually out there promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also uh, spreading wor uh, interpreting the news from that lens. And so that's why I'm doing this. Uh, I'm also a very conservative person uh, politically. Um, I'm a Republican, so I'll just come right out and say that so you know where I'm coming from. Um, I've uh, done a lot of activism here in Orange County, California, worked on some campaigns, uh, and I've just kind of seen the ins and outs of politics from perspectives that a lot of people don't necessarily have. And so uh, what we're going to do in this uh, live stream and in my future live streams is we're going to go over the news of the day. Sometimes that'll be, I'll, I'll show you a video and talk about it. Sometimes it'll be uh, news reports that I find online and I'll read them to you and, and discuss some of the ins and outs of those stories. Uh, I also listen to a ton of different podcasts. I try to get a huge, pers uh, as big of a perspective and as varying perspectives as I can from different people. So uh, yeah, we'll just dive right into it. I, I think this first uh, this first story that I have for us is, oh, I probably should have set that up before we got started. Sorry about that. There we go. All right. Uh, so I think this first story is, uh, something that will be indicative of the way that I want to go about talking about politics. Um, so, oh yeah. Okay. So we have here a story about uh, GOP leader Mitch McConnell, uh, and he is in the hospital. Um, oh my gosh. There we go. Uh, unfortunately, he had a concussion. Okay. And so some of you might have varying uh, ideas as to what you think about Mitch McConnell. Uh, you know, he is a interesting person. He's definitely an establishment Republican that is not in question in the least. Uh, he's been the uh, uh, majority leader in the Senate for a, a number of years, especially uh, before, just before Trump and, and just as Trump started. Uh, since uh, halfway through Trump's term, he has been the minority leader, which means that the Democrats are in charge of the Senate and have a majority of the seats. Um, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. He only became the majority leader at the beginning of Biden's term. I apologize. Uh, but he is someone that ha that was the architect that ultimately brought down Roe v. Wade. So we'll go back and do a little bit of history. 
back in the mid-2000s, there was a Senate majority leader named Harry Reid, and he invoked what was termed at the time the nuclear option. And what that means is that in the Senate, you can only end debate with a vote of cloture that requires a two-thirds majority to be able to end or sorry to be able to end somebody who's uh, speaking so to be able to get somebody to shut up you have to have a vote of cloture and that requires a two-thirds majority so harry reed went and found a way that you can actually change the rules of the senate on the fly in the middle of this guy speaking and they called that the nuclear option and changing the rules of the senate on the fly in the middle of the hearing only required a, a simple majority, so 51 votes in the Senate. And so he invoked the nuclear option to get through a ton of lower court level uh, justices. And so the, the Democrats appointed a, a bunch of justices that the Republicans were attempting to try to block with a filibuster. And so Harry Reid voted to uh, stop that uh, outside of what was originally uh, how people uh, stopped those kind of uh, uh, stopped. Um, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. So uh, when Mitch McConnell got into the majority leader position under the Republicans uh, in the uh, before Trump came into office, he decided to invoke that nuclear option to uh, uh, in, in order to keep a, uh, the Supreme, uh, Obama's Supreme Court nominee from being, uh, from, <laughs> from being put onto the Supreme Court. And so he blocked Merrick Garland from becoming a Supreme Court justice. Uh, he is now our attorney general uh, in the, in the Biden administration, but he was up for a vote to become a Supreme Court justice after Antonin Scalia passed away. And uh, Mitch McConnell used that exact same tactic that Harry Reid used uh, to block the uh, appointment of those uh, Supreme Court uh, to block the uh, he blocked the appointment of Merrick Garland and then used that uh, nuclear option to get uh, oh, which justice was it was it Kavanaugh I think it was to get uh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh into office. So he's done a, a lot of good for the country. That's probably one of the single best things to have ever happened, considering it led to the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. So we can be very thankful to him for that. But on the flip side, he is an absolutely establishment Republican. The same day that he unfortunately uh, tripped and fell and had a concussion, he had been talking about how horrible it was for the, uh, the tens of thousands of hours of January 6th footage to be released by Tucker Carlson, to be released to, to Tucker Carlson. And so I think that's uh, an absolute, that's absolutely horrible. He didn't have anything to say when the Democrats were just releasing their footage piecemeal to uh, portray their narrative the way that they wanted to see it. But now that Republicans are able to uh, release footage and show the other side of the story, he is completely against it, which just doesn't seem right to me. But again, all of this is to say that uh, we absolutely need to respect the people that we have elected as our representatives. Uh, I may slip up and say leaders at some points, but these people are not our leaders. In fact, our representatives are supposed to take their uh, they're supposed to take their direction from us, the people. 
All right, so we, we have a complete misunderstanding of what a representative is. They need to be beholden to the will of the people, not the other way around. But uh, we need to be, we should be praying for, for Mitch McConnell. Um, he has, uh, he is again in a, in a position of representation in our country, one of the highest and one of the most influential people in our country. So we need to be praying for him and praying for his recovery. Uh, it's unfortunate he had a disease that my grandfather had as well called polio. And if you don't know the history of that, there was a vaccine that came out in the, I think it was in the 50s or the 40s, uh, that you could take to, uh, you know, obviously uh, not get that disease anymore. So it's been basically eradicated from our society. But it was a horrible disease that would affect children and cause their uh, their limbs to grow at different rates somehow. I'm not quite sure exactly, but ultimately my grandfather had two different length legs uh, and so he had to have special shoes and the whole nine yards and i believe that's the same issue that uh mitch mcconnell has and we need to be we should be praying for him uh to recover from his fall his trip and fall that occurred i believe because of this disease so that's what that's basically the whole story uh it just says senate republican leader mitch mcconnell was being treated thursday for a concussion and is expected to remain in the hospital for a few days after he tripped and fell at a hotel dinner the night before. And so that's what came from his spokesman. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on from that. I probably spent more than enough time explaining that whole situation, but uh, we'll move on and see what the next story has for us. All right, so earlier in the week we had Sidney Lauper compare anti-LGBTQ bills to Nazi Germany and claimed this is how Hitler started. So that's Sidney Lauper. You might know her uh, as a recording artist. Um, what did she sing? It'll probably tell us in the story. So Sidney Lauper is comparing Republicans' anti-LGBTQ legislation to persecution by Nazis under Adolf Hitler in 1930s Germany <laughs> because anything that is against what you want is Nazis. Um, and yeah, she, uh, she sang the, the song girls just want to have fun. So apparently she's done having fun and is now, uh, coming into politics and talking about nonsense that she doesn't understand. But, uh, basically this is just uh, a story about someone who is <laughs> obviously famous and has an opinion and thinks that we need to take that opinion into consideration. But, uh, it's the, 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 the problem is that. Uh, so she's opposed to restrictions on access to gender affirming healthcare for young people. And what that means is that's, that's very mild language to say that, uh, we need to behind their parents back, allow children to go seek medical treatment for something that, uh, they, for uh, their feelings that they are the other gender and the current, uh, theory in our school system and in our education system is that you need to transition that person into the other gender and basically uh, sterilize them so that they can never have children. And, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily the right route to go. I think that uh, if you're an adult, you can make decisions for yourself and for your body at the age of 18. Uh, but before that, we need to absolutely have the parents involved. And I don't think that there should be any... Um, any ability for anyone to sterilize a child that child can't make that decision for themselves and it's a decision that will absolutely affect and impact 
a lot of the rest of their life. So I, I think that Sidney Lauper here is absolutely wrong. Uh, it's, it's definitely not Nazi Germany. If we want to compare anything to Nazi Germany, it's doing medical experiments on children without their parents' consent. I, I would imagine that's slightly more Nazi-like than not having medical experiments done on children. So we'll, uh, we'll leave that one at that. We'll move on to our next story. Uh, so this one's a little bit lighter. It says, nice people don't value money. Your personality may reveal your saving skills. So uh, one of the people that I've been following for a number of years now is Jordan Peterson, or Dr. Jordan Peterson. So he is a psychologist from Canada. He used to teach at the University of Toronto. And uh, he has a practice where he practices psychology, or at least he used to. And... Uh, one of the things that he talks about is the big five personality traits. And so one of those personality traits is agreeableness. And so there are, uh, there's a scale of agreeableness. Obviously, we're not all the same, and we all have different levels of agreeableness. And, and some people are more disagreeable, and some people are more agreeable. And you can kind of guess as to which way that's going to go. Generally, men tend to be more disagreeable, and women tend to be more agreeable. And so uh, I just wanted to state that uh, up front so we know what we're talking about. And let's read the article. It says, it doesn't hurt to be a little mean if you're looking to save more money. A new study says, nice people finish last when it comes to managing their finances, since they don't value it as much. So another thing that uh, Dr. Peterson talks about is that uh, men tend to, of course, this is not 100%, but a greater than 50% chance that a man is going to val is going to be interested in things and women are going to be more interested in people. And so if you're more interested in things, the way you can get more things is to acquire more money. And so men tend to be more interested in acquiring money to be able to do the things that they want to do. Uh, so if you're a car guy, you're going to be making money to try and buy a new car or upgrade the parts to that car, that sort of thing. Whereas if you're a woman, it doesn't cost anything for you to really go have a cup of coffee with your, with your friends and go interact with other people. You can do that for a lot less. And so the, the money, uh, money is, is a, uh, so that the way that people use money can come out in kind of a gendered way. And so this, again, isn't to say that, that either way is wrong. We need both of those, those things in our society. We need men that go out and make things and and solve problems to make more money. <laughs> and we need women who want to nurture and, and care for and, and love the people that are in their family and in their community. Those are both beautiful things that when in conjunction and working together properly forms a wonderful, united and, and, and happy society. Uh, and it's only when you move away from that, that you start to get the anxiety and the and the depression and, and all of the things that we're seeing in our society today, I think a lot of it is, is due to people not understanding themselves and what they, what it is that they value. We take, so a lot of women are told that you need to go out and make money and make money, be part of the workforce, wear a pantsuit, go into work every day, go get a job at a bank, go get a job at, you know, as an engineer, make a ton of money. You need to be just like a man. And, and in reality, when we see that the more egalitarian a society is, the more likely people are going to sort themselves into sort of gendered roles. And so you look at the Scandinavian countries, especially, I believe, Sweden, 
Uh, they're some of the most egalitarian societies on the planet, and they're also some of the most gender, um, as far as uh, gender split countries. So uh, in Sweden, an engineer is more likely to be a man and a nurse is more likely to be a woman than here in the United States, where we've tried to break down those gender roles and those, those uh, gender preferences. And so that, that has a drastic effect on, on people's happiness and mental state. Again, like I said, it, it probably leads to an increase in anxiety and depression and, and feelings of you know, worthlessness and, and, and not understanding why you feel that way because you've, been told by, you've done exactly what our society has told you to do. Um, and so this, this, uh, this study is just finding that uh, highly conscientious people may be more motiva motivated to plan for the future and save funds. Moreover, if your personality matches your saving goals, you will keep more cash, the research shows. Um, and so as Americans, we just save a pathetic amount of our money, uh, only 2.3% of our income. We have a lot of credit card debt and a lot of other things because of the materialistic worldview that we've been uh, put under. So I think that's probably about enough discussion of that topic. So we'll move on to the next we have the Biden administration backs new TikTok bill, wants swift passage. So this is actually something that affects me a lot. Uh, recently, I've started to kind of take off over at TikTok. If you're on there, which I don't recommend that you, you be on TikTok. Um, but if you are, you can check it out as at as it is written. Um, I've had a couple videos that have started to take off. I had one that was discussing... Um, uh, you know, that, that said that God doesn't make people homosexual, which is true. Nobody's made homosexual by God. Um, and, you know, it, it got attacked. It got a, a whole bunch of views. I think something like 250,000 views at the moment. And as part of that, it got reported and, and taken down. Fortunately, I was able to appeal that and have it uh, put back up. And then the next day, my channel got reported and taken down and again, appealed that and it got put back up. But uh, I've been under attack over there on TikTok, and, and now it seems that TikTok itself is under attack by the Biden administration, possibly. And uh, this bill will uh, allow the president to... Uh, there, let's, let's, uh, let's read the article. So, according to Bloomberg, the White House endorsed a bipartisan bill that could give the president authority to ban or force a sale of TikTok support that could hasten passage and break a deadlock over how to address privacy concerns around the popular Chinese-owned app. And this, uh, this opening paragraph understates the problem. The, the problem isn't really the privacy concerns. Yeah, it's not good that our data is being sent back to China, which it is. There's no doubt about that. A, a Chinese-owned company means that they are owned by the Chinese Communist Party to some extent. And, of course, they're going to get as much data from the American TikTok as they can. But uh, the real issue, the real problem that, that we have with TikTok is it's directly Chinese communists in control of what we are viewing. And, of course, YouTube and Facebook and, all of, and Twitter and all of the other American companies are directly in control of what you're viewing. But that's not as problematic as literal communists being in charge of our children's minds, okay? That, that's where we're at. The, the Chinese Communist Party can push a button and send to our children a message that will cause them to, to uh, 
that can that can cause them to think any sort of way uh, and however the however the chinese communists want so it's some to some people they might send messages that not messages but send videos that that uh that force a, a certain perspective on someone i guess not force but lead someone to have a certain perspective that will be antithetical to our society and so i i think a lot of the disunity in our country can be directly traced back to a TikTok, probably number one uh, but also the other apps as well i'm sure they're not much better but at least they're not directly controlled by communists that's that's one one step too far in my opinion and a foreign company does not have any right to come into this country and do business and to take over the minds of our children the way that TikTok is. So that's a completely a complete misnomer. The Chinese communists don't have freedom of speech to broadcast whatever they want into our country, even though it's completely harming and destroying us. Now, you as a citizen or somebody that's inside the United States has has free speech to do what they want. Uh, but that's not the case for Chinese communists in China. So I support this uh, sort of thing. I'm not necessarily in support of this bill. I, I, I think it should be narrowly tailored to only affect TikTok, but it looks like it might be a little bit more broad than that and allow um, the president and to uh, broad powers to shut down other... Um, to shut down other uh, apps if they were to pop up, uh, but we'll see what happens there. Again, I, <laughs> I have, I'm actually bigger over on TikTok than I am here on YouTube, uh, so TikTok being banned and shut down wouldn't be great for me, um, but I'm also not going to complain too much because they're a horribly evil communist platform. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I just uh, it's something that I think we should follow, you should be aware of, and from a Christian perspective, I think it's also a, a, something that we need to be more careful of broadly is what kind of access our children have to technology and to uh, these sorts of devices. I think that they are, uh, they can be used for a lot of good. I, I'm using them to spread the word of God and to get that message out there to, about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that you can be saved by faith through his grace that he gave to us through his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. But it can also be used to spread uh, LGBTQ lies, to spread uh, and to help turn people into SJWs and, and the whole nine yards. So it's, it, it's something that we need to be careful about and something that we need to take into consideration. So I, I think that uh, uh, that TikTok probably needs to go. Uh, and the other thing is it could be sold. So it might not uh, end. It might just be sold to an American or non-chinese firm uh, that will then run it and not give all the data to china but that but also uh, not allow them to have a literal button where they can promote any content that they want so what most people don't understand is that literally there is a an interface that a communist in china can use to pr to basically press a button and force any content that they want to go completely viral and get a billion views they can do that with any bit of video that they want because they choose what goes into your feed. And so that's something that we need to be aware of, especially as Christians. All right, so we're going to uh, go on to another story about 
Israel this time. So Israel is a country over in the Middle East. Uh, it exists to the uh, south of Jordan and to the north of Egypt uh, in the Mediterranean. And so Israel is a country that didn't exist for 2,000 years, uh, but through prophecy, uh, through the, uh, in the, sorry, not through prophecy, but the prophecy that God made that Israel would again gather as a nation has been fulfilled in 1948 when the Jews went and re-inhabited the land as their own country, and that is Israel. And so now, a few decades later, we are seeing uh, something happen, and we'll discuss that. So it was so funny. I saw this picture initially, and this looks like it could be uh, you know, Huntington Beach here in Orange County, California. <laughs> but you can see the uh, you can see the Israeli flags, and I guess an American flag. But uh, yeah, so uh, I believe that is in Israel. Uh, it's got a very similar climate to here in Orange County. It's called a Mediterranean climate, and that's the climate here. Uh, so according to Reuters, the day before Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's hard right religious government was sworn in on December 29th. A popular chat show host asked whether Israel might be better off dividing into a liber liberal, secular state and a more nationalist theocracy. So, uh, Israel is a parliamentary democracy, and that is different from the, um, from the government that we have here in the United States. We live in a representative republic. Uh, we actually don't live in a democracy. You don't go and vote on a national level for bills to be passed. You don't even do that at a state level or at a local level. Um, and so we live in a representative democracy where we elect people to go and vote on things for us. In Israel, they live in a parliamentary system where they elect uh, people to go and vote on stuff for them as well, but there is a big difference. So uh, we have a system of checks and balances. We have the president, we have the House and the Senate, we have uh, the Supreme Court, and those three bodies are supposed to check and balance each other so that nothing gets out of whack and, and that we stick to the Constitution. Hasn't worked, per hasn't worked perfectly, but it's gotten us this far, and we're the greatest nation on the planet, so, you know, it's done something for us. But uh, over in Israel, they don't even actually have a written Constitution, and that might just sound mind-boggling, like how do you even have a government without a document that tells you what <laughs> how to run it? And I'm not 100% sure what documents they use in order to run their country. My guess is it's based on previous acts of parliament. But what that means is that parliament has supreme control over the entire country. Whatever 51% of the part, or far, sorry, 50% plus one vote in parliament says, that's what happens in that country. So they could, uh, they could do whatever they want with that kind of a vote. But what happened? What happens is because of the way that they do their elections, they have a whole plethora of parties. So there's a ton of different political parties that exist in Israel and in a lot of other countries that have this parliamentary system. And so what has to happen is instead of there being, uh, you know, 51% Republicans and 49% Democrats, so the Republicans are in charge. Now there is a hard right party, a middle right party, a center right party, and then a hard left party, a middle left party, and a center left party. And so in the elections, what's happening is those parties are all trying to get as many votes as they can, but none of them are going to get 50% by themselves generally. Sometimes that happens, but it's very rare. 
And so what you have to do in a parliamentary system is form what is called a coalition government, where two or more parties uh, work together in order to appoint a prime minister. And so in this case, Benjamin Netanyahu, who has previously served as prime minister, uh, he then, his party lost, or his coalition lost, the uh, the people on the left came in. There was a prime minister for a little bit, and now Benjamin Netanyahu is back after forming this coalition government. And the reason they say it is a hard right religious government is because of the deals that Netanyahu had to make with those groups, and so they got a larger portion of the vote than they have in the past. And so Benjamin Netanyahu, in order to form that coalition government, likely had to make a bunch of backroom deals that will make him more and more hard, that will force him to do things that will appease the, the hard right people in his party. And so it's a huge balancing act in, uh, in Israel in order to keep everybody uh, on the same side and on the same page. And so um, the, the problem here is uh, the hard right in Israel wants to basically neuter or just completely get rid of their Supreme Court. And so uh, the parliament, like I said, can just get rid of it with a 50% uh, 50 plus one vote. Uh, and so they could do that, but that would obviously upset a lot of people. And so uh, this radio host, I think, or chat show host, uh, asked whether Israel should just be split into two countries, a religious one and a secular one. And that harkens back to the Bible. So King David came in after King Saul and set up his dynasty that ultimately will include Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of David in the future. Um, but after David died, he passed it on to his son Solomon. And then his son Solomon had a child um, who was to inherit the kingdom. Uh, this child inherited the kingdom. I believe it was Rehoboam. Uh, but it, basically, the there were two kings, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and I uh, let me look it up. All right, Rehoboam was, according to the Hebrew Bible, Bible the last mar monarch of the United Kingdom of Israel, and so Rehoboam was Solomon's son, and. What that means is that he was to take over the kingdom, but he was not a good ruler. He didn't do things that would unite the country and keep it together. And so he had essentially what happened was kind of a civil war where ultimately the state split into two, a Jewish state uh, that that Rehoboam was leading uh, and then a more secular state that Jeroboam was leading. And so it looks like this. Uh, what that ultimately led to was years and years and years of fighting and, and hardship for the country. And it's not what God wanted for them then. And I don't think that's what God wants now, but it's interesting that you see people hearken back to that time uh, in these, in these news stories. And so that's just a little bit of a background on Israel and what's kind of going on over there politically. You know, there's, there's always issues with terrorists and, and, um, Muslim extremists that are trying to come into the country and, and cause harm and havoc uh, because they don't believe that Israel has any right to exist. They, they hate the Jews. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but this is something that's not quite like that. It's more of an internal struggle. 
and uh, it's something that we should keep our eye on. Okay, uh, so we'll move on to... Uh, this is a very interesting development. So, these two countries uh, over here on the right, that is the flag of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And on the left, that is the flag of the Islamic Republic of Iran. So, we see today, literally today, uh, two of the, the most powerful countries in that region of, of uh, the Middle East, uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia, restore ties and are going to reopen diplomatic missions or embassies in each country. So China brokered a deal between these two countries. And so if you don't quite understand Middle East, Eastern relations, there are two major factions of, uh, of Muslims. There are the Shiites, and, and Iran is controlled by the Shiites. And there are the Sunnis, and Saudi Arabia is controlled by the Sunnis. And these two factions do not like each other and actually hate each other to a certain extent. Um, the, uh, the Shiites are, are very upset that the Sunnis are in control of the city of Mecca, which is the most holy place in all of Islam. Um, and so all those sorts of things cause huge tensions between those two countries. Uh, we look at Iran and Iraq. So Iran, again, is that Shiite majority. Iraq was a Sunni majority country, and they actually had a horrible, bloody war in the, I believe it was in the late 70s, it might have gone into the early 80s. Okay, and so there's a huge history of these two groups of people just going at it and killing each other, you know, in just horrible, horrible fashions. Um, and so uh, it's very, very interesting to see that these two countries are uh, actually coming together and reopening diplomatic relations. That's a huge step forward. Uh, it's really not good that it was the Chinese that were that were brokering that deal. And that means that the Chinese are going to be dumping a bunch of money into probably both of these countries and trying to have a greater influence over them. And so that will only be bad for the United States. Um, as far as from a Christian perspective, you know, they're, they're both uh, Muslim countries. And, and unfortunately, they persecute Christians quite, quite frequently, in, in, especially in Iran, but I believe also in, in Saudi Arabia, at least historically. Um, and, and so... You know, this is probably, uh, to some extent, part of the fulfillment of end-time prophecies. It could be, at least. I, you know, we have no idea what the day or the hour of Jesus Christ returning is going to be, but we do know that there are certain pieces that have to move around and shuffle around in order for that to happen, and this may be part of that all taking place. So something to keep our eye on, especially since it happened just a few hours ago, or at least it was announced a few hours ago, they had five days of secret meetings that they uh, accomplished this in. So we'll finish off our last story here today. We have a story about some paranormal activity. 28 girls are rushed to the hospital after playing with a Ouija board at school. So uh, all 28 of them passed out while using the seance set at Galeris Educational Institution in Colombia. Um, and, I, you know, we just need to take this as a very, very uh, clear warning that we need to stay away from anything 
of the occult. Okay, a Ouija board might seem like it's just some kind of a toy, but it's really, even if it is just a toy, it's opening you up to the idea of allowing uh, evil spirits and demons and devils to influence you. And so we need to be very careful about anything that we do that takes our um, focus and attention off of Jesus Christ and off of God and puts it onto something else and we put our faith and trust in something else. And, and so that's what you're, what you're doing with a Ouija board. You're, you're trying to communicate with either the dead or with a demon or a devil and it's, it's, it, it could only be bad and can only lead to bad things. And again, we need to use this as a warning to stay away. So Ouija boards, anything in the occult, anything that takes your focus off of God and puts it onto anything else at all. And so I'll take that as a uh, good story to end on. I appreciate you all joining me here today for As It Is Written News, Episode 1. I hope that it wasn't too uh, too horrible. I, I'm not very practice at this, practiced at this, and uh, I hope that I get better over the course of the next uh, episodes. So again, this is episode one. I'm going to try to do them on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So I hope that you join me, and I hope that you have a wonderful